Thank you for tuning in to Milledgeville Matters on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today, we are continuing our conversations with the candidates who are running for the office of Mayor of Milledgeville. I'm joined in the studio right now by candidate Mary Parham Copeland. Mary Parham Copeland, welcome to the WRGC studio. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here this afternoon. It is a pleasure to host you today. I'm just glad we have this opportunity to have a conversation with you for our radio audience. Mm, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. I'll start off with just perhaps the most important question. If you could tell me, why are you running to be the mayor of Milledgeville? Well, what I'm, why I'm running, uh, Daniel, is because um, I look back. I was doing some work up towards the uh, Rockdale, Covington area. Uh, in the Atlanta sector, and I decided, you know, I can bring this back to my own hometown because it's much needed. Uh, If I can go out and work, I need to be able to bring back the platform and work here in Milledgeville, Georgia, and that's what I decided to do. Um, Over the last 25 years, I've seen so much of a decline in our area and jobs being lost, uh, not enough uh, going on for our students, our young uh, crew here. And I decided in watching, hey, you know, I've been here, born and raised here all my life. Uh, I know the ins and outs to our city uh, from my job perspective, from the school perspective, from grandchildren, from my children. And so what I want to do is make a difference in our community by inputting my knowledge, my skills, uh, the understanding of the in and out that I'm learning in politics to make it become a better Milledgeville. That's what I intend to do once I'm elected as mayor. How will those desires for your community translate into priorities that you'll have for your first term in office? Well, first and foremost, you know that I'm a full-time pastor. So I've seen a lot of things um, in the Milledgeville area from our job rate declining, from our uh, our community just needing as a whole and being able to be an intricate part of getting out here trying to make Millersville better and make a difference in the community lives. So um, what's going to be an intricate part for me is my desire to be a full-time mayor on a part-time position. And what I mean by that is being there every day, sitting at the round table in our form of government. You know, we have the city council, uh, city manager, mayor type form of government. So what I would like to do is make sure the doors are open full time to the community for them to be able to come in and sit down and state their concerns and their issues. And then I'd be able to go back to the drawing table with the city council members, with the city manager. And we really sit down to make sure all of the plans that we're discussing in the background scene are really coming to the front that everyone can see we're moving Milledgeville forward. And of course, when elected to office, uh, you'll be working with a, a very well-tenured council, a very well-tenured city manager. And of course, this is your first attempt at elected office. With those pressures, how are you working to convince voters that they should entrust the top elected office in city government to a political newcomer? Um, first and foremost, I feel like uh, as a newcomer, uh, I'm no different than the current mayor right now, uh, having been elected in two years ago without the political experience. I bring the same thing to the plate. However, what I do bring to the plate is natural experiences from working in leadership, from working in my own small business as our current mayor does, uh, you know, being a realtor of the last 14 years. I also bring to the plate the fact that I've worked in our school systems. Um, I am your neighbor. I'm the person that you go out and you shop with every day, you eat with every day. Uh, that you see on a daily basis in the community because I'm hands-on in the community. Uh, I am that working middle-class person that has to get out, that understand what it means to have a career-based environment versus just jobs. 
I am the person that understands more so that I can touch the lives of the community because I see them from a spiritual aspect as well as a natural aspect. I can come to them and help on a daily basis. Uh, I do have people calling me all the time. Uh, Pastor Copeland, first and foremost, what can you help me with this? Can you help me find a job? Can you help me make sure that we're back uh, in the right perspective and put my life my life back together? Having come from a background of working in corrections and um, working with the school system, working uh, in general just in our community stores, I feel like I would bring a plethora of uh, background to be able to facilitate Millersville further. Uh, having the realtor, being a realtor, having been a realtor, I see and know investors, and I know that it takes more than just wanting to do, but a know-how and how to do and make sure that we bring back the jobs, make sure we get our subdivisions, our community-based um, housing back up um, to work with the citizens as a whole um, for what, is, what, what their concerns are. You know, we, we have our historical district here. We have a lot going on there, and we want to make sure we preserve. We want to make sure we continue to build up um, the, our local downtown. We know we have a lot of issues on the plate. But I'm ready to get in there and make sure that we correct the issues and move it forward without having to continuously see a bad light shedded on it, but a good thing. Make it a good perspective for not only our residential in a historic area, but the college students as well. We want to make sure we give them a great experience, but not at the cost of our citizens in the same token, but just make sure everything comes together as a whole, that we're reaching together, we're uniting, we're bridging the gap, and we're making sure that we use everything possible there to move Millersville forward. Now, the election for the mayor of Millersville is coinciding in a time in which Baldwin County is welcoming a new leadership. They, of course, are in the process of hiring a new county manager. What is the first community issue that you would like to talk with the new Baldwin County manager about once they're put into office? Um, I would like to see that we move our recreational area further than what is going on right now. We know we have an issue with the pool. We know we have an issue with the rec because most of the time when I'm engaging with the community, that's one of the issues they bring to me is the fact that our recreational area is just not up to par. Uh, I come at a time where I raised my kids through the recreation center. My son, he played ball from Little League all the way up to becoming a great high school standout, um, college standout. And at 29 years old, he's still being recruited, and he's in the public sector working. So that's an issue I would like to see us work together and go ahead and fix that issue rather than continue to allow it to drag out. We have a lot on the table as a citizen, as a concerned person, as a mayoral candidate that I see that that's just dragging out too long. I understand uh, that our current government and our mayor, they say that we are working on these issues but we can't continue to wait 5, 10, 12 years on down the road for it to come open. We need to try to make sure we're opening that up immediately as much as possible. Because if not, uh, we are a college town. We have Georgia College. We have GMC. We have uh, Central Georgia Tech. Um, we will see the decline even more if we don't start to open up the areas that we can wa uh, work together. Because I believe that, you know, we can work together a little bit. We know that we have a city. Um uh, that's uh, operated by city lines and county, that's operated by county line. But in the same token, we are one place, and we need to make sure that we do everything possible to open up the Millersville, Baldwin County area. Uh, I worked for, believe it or not, I've driven, driven the trolley 
And I have seen so many people come to this area outside of the state, outside of the uh, the uh, nation itself, from Japan, from uh, Italy. I've talked to a lot of different people, Australia. And because of that, we're a tourist town. Because of that, we uh, have so much going on in our area that we don't want to stop the growth because we haven't made the right connections here within the guidelines on our governmental uh, area. Not saying that we cannot work together. We can work together. And that's something we need to do is work together. And I believe that. In this next question, I mean, I feel that you've touched upon aspects of it in your last response. And this actually goes over uh, to the institutions of higher education. Uh, mm-hmm. You mentioned being viable partners. How can the city of Milledgeville lead an effort to bring these three institutions of higher education together to benefit the community? And if that's possible, where should that energy be focused? Um, first and foremost, I think it's it's going to start with our leaders just sitting down, be at Georgia College, be at GMC, because I know we have our own GMC board. We have boards with Georgia College and Central Georgia Tech. I think we need to form a very diverse group. I'm not sure if they've already done that or if they are doing that, and sit down at the roundtables and see what better ways we can come up with to make sure that we refocus on higher education, simply because I'm big on it. I believe uh, that Every student, we need to reach one. If we reach one, we'll keep one. We need to reach down on them, care if it's on the uh, high school level, the college level. We need to be focusing on making sure that we bring education to the full level. Uh, I worked with Foothills Charter School, which does a tremendously good, jo- great job at making sure we reach our dropouts. Um, once they become 21 years of age, of course, they can no longer attend Foothills but my husband and I have made sure uh, we invest into students that if you can't afford to take a class here or there, we have paid for students to take classes. I am really big on the fact that I push it, uh, that I, if I find out a student has dropped out, you need to be going back to school, getting your high school diploma because a GED is great. But if you have that high school diploma, it moves you further to the next level of matriculation. And then you can go to college and you can find yourself a better job, better standing in the community. So what I would like to see is that we just sit down at the roundtable, make sure we're doing everything affordable to finance, to fund, to make sure we're continuing a great uh, college experience, a great high school experience, so that the children that we see now will no longer be um, just giving way to saying, I'm a dropout, not trying to get an education, but trying to find ways to further their education. Those students who are in high school now, moving them and helping them smooth that transition to the college of their choice, the ones that they are able to attend, and even reaching out to those who uh, may have let a high school diploma pass them by and getting them back on track. Absolutely. Now, in early October, when responding to a domestic dispute, a Baldwin County Sheriff's deputy shot an unarmed man. Fortunately, that man was not seriously injured. But nonetheless, the incident has some community members concerned that the relationship between law enforcement in the community is reaching a friction point. Mm-hmm. As an elected official, what can you do to help maintain a relationship of trust between law enforcement in all residents of the Milledgeville community? Um, Daniel, having come from a uh, law enforcement background, um, I, I, my thought and my take on that, we take every um, situation seriously. We reach out into the community. We help our young people to to realize that with all the gang activity, with the shootings, the drive-by shootings and stuff, that we need to become more unified and we need to get out and grab some of our students, uh, uh, young people, older people, 
and educate them on uh, current issues when it comes to uh, shootings and drive-by shootings. Unfortunately, the incident that happened with the young man and the officer, my take and my stand on that is it was an unfortunate situation. Uh, what we, can't, we cannot do anything until we, the con, uh, investigation is complete, and then we can move forward. But what I can assure uh, the community is that Sheriff Massey uh, is doing his part to make sure that we have a strong uh, investigation completed, and that fairness at the very end will prevail. He will make sure that um, whatever steps need to be taken will be taken. Um, it's kind of hard. It's a bittersweet for me knowing that I am a certified adjunct instructor uh, when it comes to why or why not um, the officer was that, you know made the uh, decision to pull one weapon over the other. I, I can't say. Um, I wasn't in his head. I wasn't there at that time. But what I can say is that I would do everything possible to make sure that we're working with law enforcement on every end to let the community know we are here to protect and serve. And that's what our daily job carries out is to protect and serve. Uh, I don't think we as a um, community of policing would do something just out of the ordinary without to hurt another individual um, it's an unfortunate event, Daniel, and it's kind of hard to really give uh, an, a true answer right now as a candidate. Um, but I support the, the sheriff department. I support the community at large uh, in making sure we get answers to what happened. Uh, and that's all we can do at this point in time is just make sure we're supportive and we're there uh, to, to let the community know. We are here to do a job in law enforcement, and that job is to protect and to serve. Mm -hmm. In 2015 and 2016, Milledgeville and Baldwin County saw an explosion of gun violence, uh, much of it amongst young people. Mm -hmm. What are your ideas for reaching out to young people who are at risk of going down the wrong road and pulling them back in and showing them that they are a part of our community's future? Mm -hmm. Um. What I suggest is that, as I just said, we, um, from the city management positions, uh, the elected officials, that we start to put programs back into place. Um, having, as I said, having come from the Department of Correction many, many years ago, I can remember when we uh, had in place the educational values in the prison system uh, in which most people say we were spending too much money. I think you can never spend too much money to reach somebody in an early stage. What I see more, most, more so today is more warehousing than, you know, making sure that the person is a viable person ready to go back into the community and pick up jobs or careers to better keep them away from certain activities that they were involved in prior to coming into incarceration. Um, I think we need to continue to start to reach our people at a point uh, when they make a mistake in life, and because mistakes happen, things happen. Uh, one motto we always kept in the prison, the, un uh, the caught and the uncaught. Uh, how do we distinguish the two? What I would like to see us do is just stop warehousing uh, the inmates, start back to educating them, to making them viable and ready to come back into society, grab hold to some careers, uh, something that will keep their minds focused and target on the, the uh, bigger picture than for them to have to come back unprepared and go back to the same ways that they had before they came in. Um, you can know, rest assured, as a supervisor, it's a revolving cycle. And to look up and say, I just signed you out two days ago, 
and look back and here you are again, that means we're failing somewhere. And rather than continuously getting a feeling great there, I think we need to start to work towards making sure we're getting an A-plus report card um, when it comes to our young people, this gang violence, the shooting. We must reach across the lines and grab them. And the best way we can do that is having the mentors back in place, uh, our local leaders, meaning our pastors, our preachers. We gotta, we can't be afraid to go out there and reach them. we got to reach them right where they are. And that's one of my mottos is you got to meet people where they are. And you can't be afraid to go out there and bring them back into the fold. And so uh, being a pastor, that's one of the things I do is reach people where they are. I can be in Walmart. And if I see a young man and he's not dressed properly, I'm not afraid to say, hey, pull up your pants. Can I talk to you for a moment? There's, you know, what's going on with you? And, and, you know, the things that I can do to help a young man or a young woman that seems like they're going astray. This is my name. This is my card. Call me. Let me see what I can do to help you. So I like to be a help hands-on right there when I see something going on because if we don't say something, then it's going to get out of hand, and it's going to take us to bring that future back up because right now we're failing them because we won't say anything. We won't reach out. We won't do anything. But you got to let them know you care. As you said a few minutes ago in the question, what do we do to let them know we care? And that's how you're going to let them know that you care. It's just by reaching out, being a voice, talking to them, letting them know, hey, you're not going through something that we haven't seen or we don't know about, but all we want to do is help you and to bring you back up and get you out into a future that's going to allow you to be prosperous, allow you to be a law-abiding citizen, and allow you to have a full uh, life ahead of you without all of the incarceration and uh, gang activity because we do love you, and we want to cease all the gang activity and reach it at the helm um, while we can. And, of course, as we're having our conversation now, um, there are conversations within the federal government about cutting funding for programs to help um, incarcerated persons move back into um, regular society. Mm-hmm. What can you say to policymakers up the ladder uh, to help them realize the importance of what we were just talking about here on a local level? Mm-hmm. Um, what I would say to uh, to our, our higher level uh, uh, congressional uh, leaders is that at this time and point, we need to implement more programs. Uh, Foothills Charter School, they're at Albera, Albera's, uh Correctional Facility. If we're going to allocate monies to um, charter schools, then why not put them back into the prison systems? Why not make sure that they are educating and they are able to receive an education uh, while they are incarcerated? What I would like to see policymakers do is make sure we're doing that. We're funding that. I believe it will stop that revolving door cycle because I worked in the system at a time where that was vital. They received not only their uh, high school education, but they can get college educations. And for those that I do know that received their college education while incarcerated, they're living productive lives right now. They went on to have high-paying jobs, um, to leave that past behind them, and walk into a better future. And so this is a vital area, I feel as though, in law enforcement, it will help if they was to put monies back into this area to make sure that we're educating them giving them a better chance at coming back into society and leading normal lives. So I would suggest that they would do that. That's something I would put down on the table that they do. And I think someone with your experience working with people who have been through the correction system, Mm -hmm. they need to hear those things Mm -hmm. because just because someone was put in prison, someone was locked up, doesn't mean that they are not 
a citizen right. and they won't be back out. Right. And we need them to be productive citizens right. and Absolutely. not be caught in, and in the cycle. Mm-hmm. Now, you talked about this earlier in our conversation. One of the things that has a large impact on youth is access to recreation. We talked about it before, but I'll just ask you again. What can you do to make sure that youth have access to the resources that strengthen their bodies and minds? Um, well, I do know that recreation falls up under the county. Uh, the city do have a couple of parts that we do keep up. But in the process, um, just in speaking with the, the the community, the citizens as a whole, one thing I've heard is, you know, we're not offering enough to keep our young people minds active and going Uh, i think we need to implement some more recreational activities for them to be able to go to the park Uh, in a time when my kids were growing up there was always something at the park something always going on um, that not only prepared them for our um, sports and intramural sports it also gave them opportunities to grow because they were meeting other children and that gave them better opportunities to to thrive, um, I think if we could just get the recreation center back up, uh, the pool is much needed. Uh, it really is. I grew up, and I'm 51 years old, and I remember Walter B. William Pool and going down and uh, actually having fun there. So that's something very much needed in our city. Um, the students, the children, they look forward to that, and they don't have that. It's great that we're putting monies in, putting another uh, walkway area up there where they play football or they soccer, but we need to make sure we have other activities flowing. I see they still have the baseball area out there. I go out there and I watch. But there's some other needed activities that we need to sit down and figure out what would best um, work for the children of today, what will keep them. Because most of our kids, they love to sit down and watch and play video games. We need to get them back out active uh, where they're actually running off that energy, all of the energy that they have. We need to get them back out outside some more outdoor sports um some more programming with the arts to me i feel would be much needed in our time um, because children are so they're so smart they're into everything the arts itself would be a great area for them to get involved in uh, i see we are doing a lot with painting we're doing a lot with uh, theater um one of the high school students jared silas does a great job with the um, theater with doing plays and a lot of kids are in, interested in that. So we need to open up some more areas that bring the arts to them. And uh, I think once we do that and get a little more on track with things with the city and the county for us offering programs, offering uh, 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 other uh, recreational type activities to come into the city, then it will help to grow them and foster them into a better way of growing in life. And of course, I'm glad that you mentioned Jarrett Silas. Uh, we had him in here a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and just talk about a, a good example for this question because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as he graduated high school, he, what he said to me was there was no more drama club. And mm-hmm. that was so important to him that he went out and created his own production company mm-hmm. to try to um, give flight to that desire that he had. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know. Just you know, love to uh, point a spotlight on those uh, in our community who are going on to do such great things. The last five years have seen a large increase in the development of multifamily housing. Much of this achieved through spot zoning. Do, be- do you believe it is time for the city of Milledgeville to engage in a comprehensive review of its long-term approach to planning and zoning? And if so, if you could explain your position. 
Um, I do. I think it's time that we readdress, refocus, uh, realign our uh, ordinance there simply because uh, the housing market itself. One thing as a realtor uh, I, I, I have recognized is that we're taking away most of our single-family dwellings, and they're becoming multi-family dwellings. Where, in saying that, I mean um, you can have more than one person residing. What I believe we need to go back and, and make sure that we're under policies and procedures, because that's a part of my 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 uh, speaking point, is that we address the policies and procedures according to the way we should be addressing them, um, making sure that we're in line with our ordinance. Um, that we're not overstepping what's already there in some of our grandfathered clauses without making sure we're properly amending um, the policies and procedures. Uh, to me, I, it seems like we might be doing that a little bit, uh, and maybe I'm wrong. It's just what I've read into um, the question that you just asked me. I w- my take on that is I would definitely open up um, the uh, guidelines to making sure we are staying focused, staying on task, making sure we're adhering to every policy and procedure to uh, open up the um, um, planning, zoning planning and zoning. Yes, uh, making sure we're doing everything within right guidelines with that. And so uh, what I'm hearing from you is uh, before we think about going forward, we just actually need to see what's on the books mm-hmm. and make sure that um, we are within those guidelines. And um, if we're not... If we're not, then we need to make sure we're adhering to the guidelines. Um, and just looking at what you just said about the the um, residential historic district, I think this falls mm-hmm. to what is that what you're asking about? Yes, somewhat is- along that line about that particular mm-hmm. thing. Um, and we have another question about uh, the historic district. Uh, but this is uh, a really a lot of this stems from uh, those areas around the college mm-hmm. uh, where we are taking. Now, let's just say single-family zoned housing. I don't mm-hmm. want to talk about the individual houses themselves mm-hmm. because that's, you know, the uh, devil in the detail of the mm-hmm. interpretation. Uh, but you're also seeing the large multifamily apartment complexes going in there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of formerly single-family houses that could never be anything but a single-family house getting rezoned into multifamily residential and then putting up, you know, large condominium complexes, apartment complexes in those. Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, our next question will be about balance. Oh, but this too is also about, you know, uh, balancing our residential stock mm-hmm. and trying to uh, make sure that it is what we want it to be mm-hmm. both today and mm-hmm. on down the road. Yeah. My, my thought and my take on that is um, we shouldn't just – completely remove the residential area because it's very important here. And we know with the college growing and growing every day that we're leaning more towards um, the multifamily use. What I would like to see um, personally is that we look at some other areas to move the multifamily dwellings out uh, a little way from the city because it's overcrowding us right now. Even downtown, uh, even with your system, Georgia College, the students um, complain, and their students that are here um, to make sure that the city area is growing vastly. But how, however, I feel as though we do need to readdress that issue, uh, that zoning and planning issue. We really need to readdress it. We need to focus in on how we can continue to grow uh, our student processing, because most of that's what it's used for in the city area is the student processing to be able to have access to the school, to walk, to, 
to be able to uh, get on campus in a matter of seconds. In the same token, I feel as if we need to look at maybe moving them out because Georgia College supplies their own uh, transportation. They have a bus line running every day. Most of the students I've noticed, they drive uh, downtown. And I had a, a person to mention to me, they said, well, what about doing a bicycle uh, area where you can just have the bicycles there? You can put your money in there, rent a bike, drive back and forth. And that's a good suggestion. Uh, we, mirror, we, we paradigm so much from other cities. However, we didn't, you know, bring that one to the city. And I know most cities do that. Macon is doing it. I've seen some of it in Athens. Uh, haven't seen a lot of it in, uh, in Augusta, but maybe that's something we need to do. But back to the issue at hand, yes, I feel like we need to um, try to make sure we're maintaining the zoning for the residential. Look at maybe moving the multifamily dwellings a little further out. And we have more than enough city to do that. We just need to come up with a concise plan, sit down, stick to it, and follow through with it. And how do you plan to balance uh, the trend of this larger student presence in and around Georgia College against the need of the downtown's permanent residents and the maintenance of Milledgeville's existing laws and codes? Uh, there again, Daniel, um, as I just said earlier, I feel as if we need to, in my plans, are that we need to sit down and figure out how can we move it out without disturbing every little intricate detail about having the college students close to the college. But at the same token, most college students, once they're living on their own, they're able to drive. So I feel as if we need to look at, we have plenty of land around here, moving it out away from the city. It will reduce the, uh, the congestion that we have because everybody knows going down Hancock Street in the middle of the day, uh, parking, uh, just trying to get downtown is, is very congested. And so we need to look at ways that we can try to uh, move some of the congestion out, that people can enjoy the city scenery just from their tourism, from walking around, maybe doing a little uh, area down there. You can sit down and you can eat lunch and you just enjoy the scenery because a lot of people, even in the wintertime, like to sit out uh, and just enjoy the scenery. So my suggestion on that, again, is that we look at trying to move a little out from the city, uh, maybe a little more on the outskirts. And that's going to take party lines, of course, knowing where we are, where we can build, and having the right investor to come in and develop it. What is Milledgeville's greatest asset, and how are you planning to leverage that asset towards economic development? Uh, I think our greatest asset is the fact that we're a historical city. Uh, Milledgeville, uh, along with D.C., is one of the only cities to be drawn up as a uh, capital city. And so what I think we need to uh, be doing as far as um, uh, looking at the, the base, what really stands us out is be, in being that historical city is that we're a unique city. We're a city within itself. Uh, when we look out on the south side of town, the full life that we had from Central State Hospital, that was just like a community within itself. You have uh, your own water department. You have your own fire department out there, your own police department, housing. Um, so there's so much that's vital here that we just need to try to bring it back. As I shared in an interview early on, we'll never go back to the past, but we can look at more futuristic goals. How can we make it better? How can we increase the assets that we have right here in Millersville? And I think that's going to be done just by recreating a better historical district, uh, recreating a better city area that people can come in and out and not as congested, and reconstructing uh, our central state grounds to open back up our economic base.
And would you look at the redevelopment of Central State Hospital? Um, is there a certain way that you would want it to go? Um, of course, right now we're trying to generate the interest in there, mm -hmm. and um, uh, some of the companies that in there are very public-facing, and that's not anything bad about them, but that's just the business that they're in. Does it need to be a public space in the future, or could it be used as, it's hard to say this, but, you know, like an industrial park. We don't go to the industrial <laughs> park as a tourism draw. Should it have some kind of public use versus more just a strictly business use? I think we need to bring back some more public use um, there rather than strictly business. Uh, when I think about the growth in the times that I came through um, from the Central State area, from the uh, the prison system area, there that's a very vital area that we need to re-examine. Uh, and I know that the Central State uh, Development Authority, they're working hard uh, after I sat down and I talked with Mr. Couch. They're working hard to revitalize it more from an industrial standpoint. Um, but I think if we open it back up, um, not just only from an industrial but public use, that we'll see it grow and expand quicker. We'll see uh, greater uh, rewards come from it. Uh, everything is with timing, but if we do some of these things right now, pull some of these people in right now to redevelop, to open it up, to restructure it, uh, along with what they're trying to do from the board, I believe that it will bring more life back to our city. Uh, it will bring back better economic base and quicker than what we're looking at 5, 10, or 20 years on down the road, but what it will bring to the plate right now. So I think we can try to open it back up for more public use. Yes. Yeah, so just for our audience, I wasn't I was suggesting that we go industrial with it. Mm -hmm. That was just the kind of the closest analogy I could go for mm -hmm. a, a, a kind of strictly business use that generally would have less um, public interest in no. it. You, as I was out there the mm -hmm. other day, I thought about I said Central State Auditorium. Auditorium that could bring a, a great benefit to us. Uh, most time we have to go somewhere else to house or, I mean, not house, but to have events when we have the uh, auditorium that's never really been used out there. So it's a lot of vital areas that can bring back economic growth here to Millersville. It's just how we're using it. And I know there's a great uh, desire to see a more civic space where mm -hmm. we could have uh, a performing artist that, mm -hmm. uh, shall we say, appeals more to adults. Yes. Uh, so something for us. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Um, of course, we talked about uh, the assets. Always got to look at the downside. What is the biggest liability hindering economic development, and how would you plan to try to improve that situation? Um, the biggest thing is our infrastructure with the water that I believe is hindering us. Um, no one wants to bring a, a, a industry or business back into a city that they're worried about whether or not I'm going to be able to be functioning today because I don't know if the water system is working properly is that an issue that no other city has? No, many, most cities have the same issue. However, I do believe we have to become more um, proactive than reactive with that system. What I hear is on the table is the fact that we're trying to overhaul the water plant and working, making sure that it's up working and functioning uh, efficiently. Efficiently, I saw um, on the news. I was looking at the news and. I think it was Macon, and they were saying how they had a GPS system on their water line so that whenever a water break occurred, the GPS system would take them right to it. I don't know if we have that here, but that's something we need to look in. Uh, the water system overhaul is very expensive, and it's going to be because you got to think about Millersville. We're a very old city, and so it's going to take money to go in and overhaul our system, but yet it's vital into making sure that Millersville grow. That's the only way we're going to 
press board is that we got to make sure that water system, because if we have a great water system, then the schools don't have to worry about being out because due to the water system, the hospital can be able to function more efficiently um, because they don't have to cancel surgeries. They don't have to worry about, you know, whether or not we have a supply of water. Um, and it, it just carries over to uh, a lot of things. And we have to maximize the amount of efficiency that we have so that we can bring other uh, vital companies in. And um, you mentioned that it looks like the game plan for the city right now is to uh, uh, overhaul or rebuild the the water plant. Uh, what additional um, things would you look at uh, just to try to make sure that our water system is where it needs to be? Um, I would love to see it become a more futuristic type. You know, I'm thinking more in the future and, and what we can do to make sure we have quality uh efficient systems um and what i would like to see is a state-of-the-art system put down there um we put a state-of-the-art system everywhere else we need it for our water system and i do know that as the city manager he juggles so much uh under our different departments uh, the waterworks and everything uh, i really would like to see them work towards that if we're going to put that kind of money that they're putting out on the table billions or millions to to overhaul it then we need to go all out and make sure we have a state-of-the-art system that it will detect for us where a main water break before it, it erupts. Um, that would be helpful and beneficial if we could do that. Another thing I would like for us to sit down and, and work on is strategies and planning, um, overhauling our city as a whole. We, we talk about Georgia College and the traffic, uh, seeing what we can do to cut that um, or to make sure that, I guess the word I want to use is to see some of the traffic and the overflow there, but yet in the same time, making sure I heard Mayor, Mayor Thoreau says is how much money do we want to spend to bring in? Well, it's going to take money. Uh, how It doesn't matter how much money. We just got to see how we can get it funded, how we can get it done, and do it at cost efficiently as possible, but as speedily as possible. How do you plan to engage the people of Milledgeville in the hard work of making this community the place that we want it to be? Um. Hmm. Be honest, Daniel, uh, it's just by being in touch. Uh, reality is that we have to be in touch with the very people we are elected to to be over and, and to that they entrust us with the ability to be the mayor, to be the city manager, to be on city council. And in doing that, that's the only way the only way we're going to be able to do that is be present, be visual, be uh, where they can talk to us and tell us what it is that they would like to see in our cities. And I often post that, what is it that you actually want your elected officials to do, how you want it to, how you want them to do it, and yet we'd be able to talk back to them and say, hey, we, we see your ideas or we hear your ideas and we want to move forward with your ideas, but we have to be realistic in what we do at the same time. So that's going to take a gathering, a coming together uh, in the community front. And what I would like to do is be a front person that's there every day. First and foremost, they see that I'm, I'm here. And that's the first line of engaging with anybody. They see that you're present and that you want to help them. And when they see that we want to be on their side, we're working for them, we want to help them, I believe that the community as a whole will come in and say, hey, we have a mayor, we have a city manager, we have a city council. They really have our best interests at heart. Then they're going to be more willing to come in and say, let's make Millersville better. Let's make Millersville move to the next level. And I'm in, I'm aboard, I'm on team with you guys, and we're going to do it. That, I just believe if we engage properly every day with them, then we'll make Millersville better with the help of the community. 
What is one story from the campaign trail, a comment maybe you've heard from a voter, uh, that you would like to share with our radio audience that you think is applicable to a radio audience that includes perhaps every member of the city? Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, we can't hear this enough. Is We need some jobs. We need career opportunities. Uh, we need for uh, Millersville to just get back on the map. Uh, so many people feel like Millersville is losing um Losing everything here as far as what was vital in the day, in the times that they were used to or were growing up in or they grew up in, they want to see us bring it back to full fruition. Um, I, I do believe that if we could just, just open Millersville back up economically with the job situation, uh, we'll move further and closer to our, our uh, goals of making Millersville better again. Uh, that's a, part of my strategy is we just need to make Millersville better, but it's through unity. Together we can do it. We can't do it on an island. No man lives on an island by the cell. But if we come together and strategize, put our heads together, I, I like to think about the meeting of the minds. Whatever you have in your mind, let's bring it to the table. Let's write it out and let's strategize on how we're going to move Millersville uh, quickly and forward in the future. And after all is said and done, how do you hope people will look back on your tenure as Millersville mayor? Um, I hope that they look back at my tenure and said that Miss Copeland stuck to what she said she wanted to do. She wanted to be a people person, that she got out there and she acted on the citizens, um, what they would bring to the plate, and that she sat down at the table with her uh, council people, with the city manager, and they worked hard uh, in, entirely. Uh, to make sure that they were really moving Millersville forward. I just believe that in a four-year tenure, that in the first two years, you ought to see something that we have worked hard to make sure it come to place. Um, As the mayor, I want to be able to say that I did what I promised the people. Uh, I share with most people that because of our form of government, you know, we have the city council, city manager form of government, the mayor can only do so much um, because they, we don't have that kind of power to take over everything. But we can, at the end of the day, sit down and encourage them to make sure they're looking at everything on the every idea, every concern on the table in a comprehensive way and that we're being progressive. We're planning. We're following policies and procedures and we're instituting and implementing uh, projects that will happen not 10 years down the road, but within that tenure uh, of you being in that office. And for any of our audience members who are hearing you today and want to find out more, uh, perhaps maybe even want to volunteer for your campaign, how can they get in touch with you? Um, they can uh, contact us by phone. We have two different numbers they can contact us at, and that's 478-251-3401 or 478-696-3671. We also have a website. Uh, it's the Elect Mary Parm Copeland for mayor. You can go to the website. You can uh, sign up to be a volunteer. Um, there are different areas on the website. Uh, just need to contact the team, and we'll be glad to um, take your non- name and number and put you in an area that you can come and help out with the campaign. Much help is needed. We're in the final stretch, so we need everybody to come out and help with our campaign. Well, Mary Parham Copeland, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to talk directly to our radio audience. Thank you so much, Daniel. It's been my pleasure to be here today. Um, I'm hoping that as the mayor of the ne- the next mayor of Millersville, that I will do just what the people elected me to do. Well, thank you very much. Thank you.